Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goal of this show is to eradicate and dismantle racism, and we really want to educate you in the process. I want to invite you, if you're listening in, please be sure to make comments on the YouTube page and let us know what you think about the conversation that we're having. If you're watching it after we have gone live, please be sure to leave your comments as well because we really want to hear from you. And if you like the show, if you love the show, tell other people about this show. The guests who come on here are really um, fabulous in explaining uh, ways in which we can dismantle racism in this country. So if you're truly, truly committed to that being your goal, help spread the word because it takes all of us to be involved in championing the rights of others, and making sure that racial equity is the norm. So help us to spread the word, please, by liking us, uh, sharing our information with other folks, downloading it wherever you get your podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to Dismantling Racism with Reverend Dr. TLC. Excuse me, Dismantle Racism. My book is Dismantling Racism. And if you haven't picked up your copy yet, Black History Month is the perfect time for you to read Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. It's also a perfect time for you to stream my meditations that go along with the book. You can stream them anywhere that you get your music. Now, I want to invite you into a dynamic conversation today on the foundation of racism is really race. This word race that is socially constructed. You've heard me talk about racism being race being socially constructed before. Today, my guest is going to talk about let's end that word race. But before we begin, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to center ourselves and ground ourselves. Why? Because whenever we engage in conversations that might evoke such powerful emotions, we want to make sure that we're grounded. We want to make sure that we are centered. We want to make sure that we remember who we are in the conversation. And it helps us if we can be grounded and focused to think about what's our goal in the conversation on race. And so it helps us not to get too heated. So I invite you, if you would, just take a moment, close your eyes, and let's prepare. I invite you to begin by taking a deep breath in and holding that breath and then exhaling. Take another deep breath in. Hold it. And exhale. And take one more deep breath in. And hold it. And slowly exhale. Feel your body relaxing. Feel you connecting with your inner guide, your divine wisdom. Breathe in and out normally. 
and let your breath remind you of your humanity. Let your breath remind you of your interconnectedness with the people that you love, the people in your community, and the people throughout the world. Let your breath remind you of your divinity, that you are created from love and you are created from something holy. And just like you, your neighbor is created from divinity. Your enemy is created from divinity. And though they may not connect with their divinity, it's important for you to remember your divinity and theirs. Just breathe in and out and let that settle into your bones. Breathe in and out, remembering that you are loved and you are love itself. And love is the only thing that can drive out hate. Breathe in and out. Connecting with your power. Connecting with your ability to change the status quo. Remember what you do matters. And you are the one that you've been waiting for to change the world, to change a system, to change your community, to even change your family. Breathe in and out. And recognize that the power of one contributes to the power of many. So breathe in and out and remind yourself that you are a champion for racial equity and you're powerful beyond belief. So take one more deep breath in, sigh it out, open your eyes, and let's begin. We are in Black History Month. And for me, I think that every month of the year is Black History Month because Black people, Black Americans, we help contribute to this great country. But the reason why we have Black History Month is because we have not been recognized as we should have been recognized in years past. So this month was created to highlight some of our achievements and accomplishments. But the other thing that this month does is it also highlights what we have been through in this country. So Black History Month really isn't just about all the wonderful things 
that we've done in terms of contributing, but it sheds a light into American history. So we get to see the travesty as well. We also get to see the resilience of Black people in America. I mean, just think about it. We are overcomers. If we've been able to deal with everything that we've experienced in this country and still turn out to be some of the most brilliant people in this world, man, that is outstanding. And one of the things that happens, though, is that we relegate Black History Month to one month because those who want to maintain the status quo don't want us to know our power. They don't want us to know our power when we work together across races. But it is important for you to know the history of this country at the very least. So when people don't want to discuss critical race theory is because they don't want you to know about the history of this country. Now, to be sure, critical race theory is an academic and it's a legal framework and it's been around since the 70s. It's just gained momentum in the last couple of years. And critical race theory is really all about teaching that racism is systemic. It is a part of the American fabric and it, it encompasses education, housing, um, the prison system, healthcare. It recognizes that it is beyond just our individual biases. And so when people refuse to allow critical race theory or really culturally relevant pedagogy to be taught in school, it's because they want to maintain a system. Why must one fear history? To be quite honest, when we don't talk about history, we not only hurt people of color, but we hurt white people as well. I was doing a talk just the other night and a young white woman said to me how angry she was that she did not learn her history in the correct way. That really history, of course, is always told from the side of the conqueror. She only knew a small percentage. And she said, quite frankly, I'm angry about it. She's not the first person I've heard say that. I've heard many folks talk about that, particularly since the murder of George Floyd. I think that people not knowing the history in this country is one of the reasons why people were so shocked that racism is as bad as it is in this country. Because I had people to say to me, after George Floyd was murdered, I had no idea that things were that bad because they weren't paying attention to what was going on in this country. So I want to invite you to go back during Black History Month and really uncover, don't just look at all of the dynamic things that Black folks did really uncover what was going on in this country years ago and what's going on right now. Because the only way you can change a system is to have knowledge of that system. It's to understand how terms like race came into being 
and to understand the legal system. Well, today we're actually going to be talking a little bit about the word race. And I say a little bit because this conversation we're going to have today, it may go all over the place, but we're going to talk about the word race and its social construction as we've done before. But my guest today, Ricky Wade, is really going to talk about why it's important to end race. But we're going to go deep into our conversation today because Ricky, who has years of working uh, with law enforcement, we're going to get into the conversation even of how race showed up when five Black police officers beat Tyree Nichols to the point of death. What does race have to do with that? So we want to get into that because my guest today, Ricky Wade, is a visionary who's focused on rehumanizing America, talking about the ways in which we can see each other as humans. Ricky has worked with the government before. He's worked in corporate America. And so he's created In Race in America. He's co-founded the company American Redneck. So after we return from the break, I'm delighted to welcome my guest for today, Ricky Wade. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. And 
Today, my guest is Ricky Wade, and I want to welcome you to the show. Ricky, thank you so much for being here. Dr. TLC, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Ricky, I want to just jump right into it. Um, You know, normally I start by asking people, how do you ground yourself and do all of that? But you know what I want to do today? I want to ask you, how are you doing as a Black man, as a, as a, a man who shares the same skin tone, because I know you <laughs> prefer not to use those, um, those labels. And we'll talk about that, hopefully, as we're, as we're going right. through, because that's what you're in, racist. But I want to ask you, as a person who shares the same skin tone as Tyree Nichols, as a person who's worked closely with law officials, Right. I want to know, how are you doing? So let's start with, with you as the person, how you're doing, because it's difficult for me to see, and I don't watch any of those films, by the way, but it's difficult for me just as a person who's in the same community to see that. But I would imagine my feelings are, are a little bit different than yours as a person who shares, uh, I believe, the same uh, gender as Tyree Nichols. I appreciate that question. So first, I'm I'm doing fine. You you learn after a while to be grateful for whatever you have. I'm grateful that although I we've watched what Tyree Nichols had to go through, I didn't have to go through it. So heartbroken for him, heartbroken for his family, and as an American, because as you mentioned, I'm not going to call anybody black or white. That's part of our rehumanization project. As an American. Like most Americans, I'm appalled. Mm-hmm. Seeing the Tyree Nichols and his treatment in the in the way that that took place didn't surprise me very much. Just as the same with Ahmaud Arbery and the way mm-hmm. he was murdered didn't surprise me very much. And the, the same with George Floyd. These are actions that have taken place many times. They're just not necessarily televised. That's so right. Van Jones wrote a great article, and I'm not a big CNN fan by any means. However, I keep an open mind. But he wrote a great article about the dehumanization, the dehumanizing, dehumanizing power of race and how it has effect on everybody, and which I've mm-hmm. said for years. Race is a human problem. It affects everyone, including people of the darker hue like you and I. Because mm-hmm. when you get into the police realm, although most, and I mean most, of the police officers and the law enforcement I've worked with are amazing, sacrificing individuals. You do have those bad apples who view certain neighborhoods based on their skin tones as they'll refer to them as war zones or cesspools mm. or areas mm. you don't want to be because they're talking, they're not talking about the buildings or the stores. They're talking about the people in exactly. those areas. Mm. I have been on the receiving end of a power hungry police officer who would pull me over, exert their authority and who happened to be the same skin tone because when you talk about race and its, cre- and its creation, and hopefully we get into some of that, it was created for a hierarchy, so to speak. You mm-hmm. have white, you have non-white, and then you have black. And it was to put black at the bottom. This is dehumanizing. This is, this is you're not human. You don't have the same thoughts, the same emotions. So the unfortunate power of it, again, it works on everyone. So people who, who themselves are assigned as black but now receive power if they're corrupt, 
know that they can now exercise that power on those other people who are not seen as human. For instance, mm. those officers would be hard pressed to try to pull that on a lady that looked like um, Taylor Swift. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. there, and, and I say I'm not surprised because if you listen to that video and I don't encourage anyone to watch it, I, but I advise if you do want to be able to appreciate what Tyree Nichols went through, watch it yourself. It broke my heart to do so. The officers kept repeating and kept yelling, give me your hands, get on the ground, knowing that he was not resisting, knowing that he was already on the ground. This was done on purpose. And, I, and, and I'll explain. They know that there's a chance they're being recorded. There's a chance witnesses are hearing what they're doing. So if they're yelling, give me your hand, stop resisting, get your hand off my gun, that gives them clearance to say, hey, this witness heard me saying, give me your hands. He was resisting and I defended myself or I did my officer duties to defend my partners. The disturbing part about what I just said, it tells you they've done this before. Well, abs absolutely, because right. there's no way that you could walk, beat a person like that and have never done it before. Correct. And, and in my mind, just even as a psychologist, I know I haven't worked directly with law enforcement. But one of the things that happens is, is you start by exercising a little power, a little right. control, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's the difficult part about all of this. And so I can appreciate you talking about it being a place uh, of power, because clearly it is about power. And I also believe, as you're saying, if people forget their humanity and they forget Absolutely. and their divinity as well. But here's the other thing. One thing to be clear is at the end of the day though, even though you're in power, you are still assigned being a black person Correct. and the laws are different still for you i don't care if you're a black police officer versus a white police officer so i use those terms i know you you don't and so i have to speak in the ways in which uh perfectly fine uh i do but like at the end of the day things still might be different for you even though you're all wearing blue still might be different for you and sometimes i think that police officers who are black forget that in the moment, right? In fact, I've talked to some police officers, so I know that they forget that. In, well, in if, I, if I may, Dr. TLC, I, and I, I listened to many, many of your videos, including one that was two weeks ago about starting a social uh, cause or starting a social movement. And one of the things that I try to impart on everybody I speak to is I'm not going to speak about what I'm against so much as to what I'm for. And what mm -hmm. I am for is having the people like Derek Chauvin who killed George Floyd or the, or the men who murdered Ahmaud Arbery or these officers in Memphis who murdered Tyree Nichols be almost lumped in the same. Like these are people who use the, the law or the color of law in the case of Ahmaud Arbery to then exact terrorism on others. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. by removing the idea of race, I'm not saying these five black police officers or these two white people in, in Georgia or this one white person with, with George Floyd. I'm saying these people who succumbed to evil, abused authority and murdered innocent people. So mm. that's the whole point of our ending race. Like don't, don't get angrier because it's Derek Chauvin or some Memphis police officers. Be angry that 
this evil took place and we need and, and bring attention to it as a way to put a stop to it and rehumanize one another. So I I Ricky, I completely agree with that 100 percent to get mad at what happened. And I would I would say that I will say this. I in no way think that all police officers are bad. And I do think that when things like that happens, it gives the whole of police officers a bad name. I get that. And I understand that, particularly coming from a race, when one of us does something, it gives all of us a bad name. Certainly. I'm well aware of that. And I think that there are additional things that need to occur, though, such as educating folks around how implicit biases and particularly police officers, how you may not be intentionally thinking, I'm going to go out and beat a black man to death today. But there's a difference between when you pull a white man over and when you pull a black man over. Absolutely. If we don't understand how race this concept of race that's socially constructed, if we don't understand how that impacts the psyche, how do we really address that? And so I want you to speak from your place of taking race out of the equation and talking to this group of people, like pretend like you're going to talk to a group of police officers and you're going to say, I don't want you to think about race because we want to end race. Talk to me about your program in, in, well, talk to me about two things why you want to end race and then talk to me about your program of rehumanization and we probably won't get to all of it before our first uh before our next break but start with why you want to end race absolutely so it started from a very young age of you learn at a very early age what a black crayon is what a white crayon is and then you're told also at a very early age hey you're black and then you now reconciling this for myself like wait a minute my sweatshirt's black i i know what a black crayon is a white crayon is but my skin tone is brown that that unreconciliation lasted for a while and it wasn't until the movie malcolm x came out when i was about 10 years old where he first goes to prison and he's told to read the dictionary and it defines black as all these evil things Mm -hmm. but then we're assigned to black and i'm pointing at the screen for my dad like hey there, there there's what i've been talking about well, you get into, uh, well, growing up where I came from was Albany, Georgia, where everybody, or a lot of people look like me, but based on how you talk or how you act, you might be called white, regardless mm-hmm. of your skin tone. Mm-hmm. That confusion stayed. And then getting into undergrad, and I went into a college that was initially a Confederate college, the Citadel, Mil- um, Charleston, South Carolina, it's a military college, where now I'm one of the few people that look like me, and I'm called the black guy. Like, okay, now we're talking uh, skin tone assignments. On into corporate America, as you mentioned, where I'm being told for staffing, don't send me any black people. We only want to see people that aren't black. Okay. Hmm. That's a huge problem. But it was when I got into a position where I can work with law enforcement and an law enforcement officer says to me, hey, if you were walking down an alley and you saw a man coming up to you, you would be more concerned if he was black than he was white. And I said, no, hmm. anybody walking down an alley if I'm in an alley, I'm going to be concerned regardless of who it is. So it was at that point that I realized, wait a minute, where where did this come from? And we could talk about that if we have time. How is it used? And 
most importantly, why are we still allowing it? Mm -hmm. So that's where I got into, hey, law enforcement, stop calling people black or white. Let's call them human. And we came up with an alternative skin tone system to describe people that is more accurate, less divisive than something as dehumanizing of, or as black and white. Because mm -hmm. when it, in, in a nutshell, black and white race itself was created to enable slavery in America. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there is no reason to hold on to it other than the answer of this is how we've always done it, which has never been good enough for me. Right. And, and ultimately, we're talking about the same thing, right? We're yeah. talking about getting rid of racism, which is tied to the word race, actually. Absolutely. And so when we, you know, if we stop living in a world where everything is based on hierarchy and it's based on humanity, I think the world would be a much better place. And so I want to, when we come back, to understand your process then of teaching about humanization. And I talk about our shared humanity. And of course, being the reverend, I talk about our divinity because I think we don't see each other as being sacred beings enough. Because I know that this is just the skin I'm in. This exactly. is just the body that I am in. I'm much more than this. And so you might not do this in the work that you do, but to add that divinity piece in there too is powerful, right? Because it raises it up another level. So when we get back though, I, I, I want to talk about how do you do it? How do you, how do you teach people to humanize other folks? So we're going to take a quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back with my guest, Ricky Wade. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
We're back with my guest, Ricky Wade, and we've been talking about ending race in America. And we've been engaging in some conversations around Tyree Nichols. um, And also we're engaging in conversation about your project that you are working on, Ricky, which is the rehumanization uh, of America, really. So I'd love to hear what happens when you work with individuals, trying to get them to see other individuals as human. And then I hope that we'll have time because I want to go back to another question around those five officers who share the same skin tone as Tyree. And I want to just parse that out a little bit more. So let's start with with what you're doing with your work. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. TLC. So as you state so eloquently in many of your videos about divinity, and as you explained to me once, not just remembering who you are, but remembering whose you are. We are all spiritual beings. And as you put it, we are in a human form. We have our outside shell, which includes our our skin tone. That common connection is what I remind people of when I when I share this message, like race was meant to separate us, not mm. unite us. So we came up with a lot of names for our for our company. Um, AR, we wanted to use the initials AR because at our core, we are a gun company. So you think assault rifle, armor light rifle. Uh, we wanted to, we talked about Americans Rehumanization Project or the anti-race company. However, we didn't want to be anything anti or angry Ricky didn't, didn't work very well at all. However, American Redneck pays homage to the Blair, the Battle of Blair Mountain. Now we're becoming familiar with the history of Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. What many people do not know that there is there were two times that the federal government either did or planned to bomb its own citizens. First in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then three months later in Blair Mountain. Blair Mountain was the conflict between coal miners, poor or middle-class coal miners, who were t- being taken advantage of by coal companies and, in, and by extension, the federal government. These coal miners then united and used their red bandanas that they would take, use to keep coal out of their mouths, tied them around their necks so they knew who the friendlies were who not to shoot. So that's where the term redneck came from that we use. So we are America's redneck army uniting people regardless of skin tone, because that's what the American redneck army was. They were made up of all different skin tones to teach one another that we are not that different. So when I talk to people about this, I try to get them to imagine, and I give history lessons about our era of slavery that people were not slaves. They were human beings That's treated right. like slaves. Mm-hmm. One of the books I subscribe to people, uh, uh, d- d- growing to your own book, I've actually re- recommended people re- read Dismantling Re- Racism, which is an easy way into how to dismantle racism. But if I want people to get a true view of history and what it's truly like, I, I recommend them read the book Slave Life in Georgia by John yeah. Brown which was a first-hand or first-person account of what the Southern states, how they really treated people, how communities, how um, entire societies were truly built. What's disturbing is you start seeing some new, some similarities between 1820 Mm. and now, via hierarchy Mm -hmm. and via assignment. And I always put it out there to people, regardless of skin tone, but 
particularly people who are, don't match my skin tone when we're told slavery was, oh, it was just back then. Well, imagine your mother being treated like that, mm -hmm. or imagine your daughter or your brother or yourself being treated in those ways to rebuild empathy for your fellow human being. Usually that drives, that drives the point home. Mm -hmm. So, and then I go further. It's race as it is now. As if I thought it was bad when in the 80s when I was growing up in 90s, in my view, it's almost getting worse. The mm -hmm. lines are more divided. They're, they're, they're more solidly drawn as black here, white there, Hispanic here. Whereas the, the actual defining of race, like if I asked somebody to define black man or define white man, you, you, you'd have a hard time do, putting it in words. You typically point at somebody and the assignment is in itself subjective. Of course so it is. Yeah. Right. It's extremely because, because there was a time in history where you only had to have one eighth of black blood and be considered uh funny, black, funny right? thing about that, if people want proof that we do have an issue and that there are people who are still trying to push that hate, I put it on our website or on our forum where uh, a chance for people to come and speak their piece. And I believe ending race is an unbeatable argument. I am not black. We are not by the the art description, black, fine. We're, I say we're American because we're American citizens. I then put that argument and advertise it on gab.com because mm -hmm. I know there are many people on gab that probably disagree with me and I was correct. And they came to our website, still there if you wanna see it yourself, the AmericanRedneckCompany.com, look at the forum and spewed some of the most hateful things. But one of the ways they tried to justify their view on race was to cite that rule which was a slavery era and a jim crow era rule of right. one eighth of uh if you have one eighth or one of your eight relatives your your uh, ancestors are black then you are now assigned black i don't adhere to those rules now i talked about wanting to talk wanting to speak on what we're for as opposed to what we're against the american redneck company is made to provoke is made to to be provocative and want people to say well, hey why are you calling yourself redneck doesn't that mean racist no it does not it mm -hmm. it is our rehumanization project and i show the true definition or the true history behind the term redneck but right behind american redneck company is our slogan end race in america this is something i'm okay with saying what i don't want because it's so prevalent in our society you can't buy a, a gun you can't fill out many gov government applications you can't fill out a home loan application without being asked, and in some cases required, to put your race, your assigned race. But if race is subjective and we know it was meant for a negative purpose, there's really no just no quantifiable or valid reason to continue to follow. So so Ricky, one of the things that that so there are two things that are coming to mind. There are lots, but two I'll I'll focus on just for a second. One thing that you're doing in your rehumanization project is you're requiring people to think at a higher level and at a different level. Most people don't want to think for themselves. Most people want to be told what to do. And the easy thing to do is to not have to think about us as humans, but just to think about us based on, on race, gender and sex and all these other things, right? So it, it's a big task to do. And I think that for some people, just like when I use the term dismantling racism, they're like, like, like is it really possible to do that? And so I believe that it is possible to do it. It may take a while for it to happen, but it is possible to do it. And so I want to just tell you that, thank you, first of all, for the work that you are doing to dismantle racism in this country. And 
just to encourage you to keep going with the work that you're doing as well, because you're also educating people. You're educating people on some people never knew what redneck stood for. Hey, I'm from Mississippi. And when we talk about a redneck, it's, it certainly isn't what you uh, have described to us this morning. So I just want to encourage you. And I think the more you can have those conversations and the more you can walk in those spaces where you're connected with law enforcement and really try to get people, though, to see their bias based on people's skin tone. Because just like you, I've been asked questions. I was once asked if I were walking down the street and I saw a group of Black men coming towards me versus, and this was a white man who asked me, versus a group of white men, wouldn't I feel uh, threatened with the Black men? Right. So first of all, it's racist. Right. But it's racist to even ask that question. And I said, well, quite frankly, I would feel more threatened by the white men. And that shows that they don't understand what it's like for a person with our skin tone to walk in these spaces. Well, if I may, this has been one of the easiest discussions I've ever had to have in my life with most people. For instance, uh, David Hawkins wrote a book, Power Versus Force, and in mm -hmm. it, he describes at length a kinesiology study that when you hear truth, it actually makes you stronger. And when mm -hmm. you hear falsehoods, it makes you weaker. For instance, when I was growing up and I was learning history, I couldn't stand it in school because I was told slavery was about states' rights. That's a false statement. The mm -hmm. states' rights that, that slavery was about was the northern states not enforcing slave laws. So when mm -hmm. I tell truth, like the story of John Brown or the, the truly who we are, people are encouraged to hear, hear it. Most of the times I get a thank you. Well, so let me just say this. Let's just be clear when you say people are encouraged. That's the people that you're talking to who are interested in engaging in this, because there's a whole group of people out here. Like I said at the beginning of the show, they don't want to hear that stuff. They don't want to hear yeah. about critical race theory. They don't want to hear about culturally relevant pedagogy because there's a fear associated with it. So what we're talking about when we talk about racism and hierarchy, folks want to keep the majority of people ignorant. Because ignorance is bondage and ignorance maintains the status quo. So what you're doing is you're challenging the system that's out there. You're saying there is a different way that we can approach this. Now, I would love to see your work in more um, law enforcement divisions. It takes a person like you to be able to say, hey, take a look at what you're doing. Take a look at the fact that you respond very differently. I can tell you, we talk about the word race being socially constructed. It's socially constructed, but it is so baked in this society. And I don't remember if I've shared this on the show or not. If I did, I'm going to repeat it again. But I can remember when I worked in a high school and I distinctly, we were, we were in a big meeting one day, a, a mm -hmm. faculty staff meeting. And this school was predominantly black and brown in terms of, of, of skin tone, right? In terms of, of how we define race. And the teachers were majority white. And they started talking about the in-school suspension room. Mm. And when the vice principal got up to talk about the kids being sent to in-school suspension, 
you know what he called it? The holding room. And the first time he said it, it was like a punch in my stomach. The second time he said it, it was like another punch in my stomach. And I stood up as being probably one of three maybe people of color, maybe maybe four, in this large room of folks. And I said, could you stop using that word? Because you using the word a holding room, you're already setting them up like for prison. Absolutely. And that means you're going to treat them like that. And of course, we know the school to prison pipeline. Well, some people don't. If you don't know about it, people go and look it up. But that means that you already think of these particular students as you're going to jail because this is a holding room. And I said, I wish my kid would come home and tell me that they were in the holding room. How offensive is that? But that shows how it's baked in our society. And of course, this person wouldn't have thought that he was being racist. He was conditioned. He's conditioned. Exactly. But we're going to be right back because we have to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation on ending race. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. you a conscious co-creator are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness i'm sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant and on my show the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity we will touch upon all these topics and more listen live at our new time on thursdays at 12 noon eastern time that's the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity thursdays 12 noon on talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism show. Ricky, because I know our time will go really uh, quickly, I just want to go back to something that we were talking about with these five police officers who share the same skin tone as Tyree Nichols. And we talk about dehumanizing folks. I'd love to hear your perspective on what you think happens when we do it within our same, you know, 
um, racial group, skin tone group, because it's one thing that we talk about the biases that other folks have towards us. Can you give me your perspective on what you think? Yes, I think it's the same thing that happens to people who get a mob mentality and group up to do evil and back each other up regardless of skin tone. This was because whether they could call themselves white, black, or what have you, they still viewed Tyree Nichols as black, less than. Mm -hmm. So that type of, again, mob mentality, because it's coupled with power from each other, negative energy from each other, they, I don't think there's anything different between the five of them doing it or five people who are lighter in skin tone. Mm. The, the only difference is they got caught. They've done this well, before. But it, yeah, that's the sad part. But help me to understand this. When you say you don't think there's a difference, I would love to think that. But then if that person were white that they stop in a lighter skin tone, something stops them. Something right. stops them. So what right. is the thing? What is the thing that stops them from doing it to a person with a lighter skin tone, but they can do it to a person with a darker? They wouldn't, they would be held accountable if somebody with lighter, much lighter skin tone got stopped. That there was a lot more visibility there. Um, the, the fact is evil has many tools. Race is just one of them. And mm. evil is what got into these individuals that enabled them not just to get a, think they can get away with what they were doing, but to decide to do it in the first place. Mm. They, the lack of empathy. They didn't mm -hmm. view themselves as like Tyree Nichols. And mm. that, that is brought upon by race. That is brought upon by class, by position. In, the, in this case, mm. they are law enforcement. He is not. By, mm. by um, stand, standing in society. So... Mm. One thing I, I've always been, I've all, I'm always careful of, I want to be gauged on my actions rather than appearance. So mm -hmm. I have to gauge people on their actions, whether they're, instead of their appearance, their actions were appalling. I do mm -hmm. think Tyree Nichols' appearance played a part in it, but regardless of how they looked, I just want them to, to be held accountable. Right, right. And so what I appreciate you saying about this is that it's complicated, first of all. Absolutely. This whole thing is very complicated. You said before I, about um, colorism and racism mm, almost being the same thing, mm -hmm. and that's my way of saying back to people: if I end, if we end race, how are we going to enforce or how are we going to hold people accountable for discrimination? Well, we have colorism, which pretty mm -hmm. much accomplishes the same thing, but it doesn't have the dehumanizing power of race. Yes, yes. Um, if I um, may, it, okay. One of the things that very much scared me about this is now as a father, I, ha I have two little boys. God willing, I'll have a third uh, this year, but I- Well, congratulations well, as you, you slip that much. in. <laughs> but, well, watching that, imagining like Tyree Nichols' mother being her watching my child. So there's three options I, we have here. If we know there's a problem, we know race is a problem. Option number one with my kids is saying, hey, just tell them, tell them they're black. So they could go along with the flow, which has never been a viable option for me. Option number two, the same with the kinesiology study, just tell them the truth, but maybe don't broadcast it so you don't look like a weirdo when you go to school and say you're not black. And then there's option number three, which is what we're doing. I tell my children the truth. I teach them the truth. And I'm going to be loud enough 
and spread mm-hmm. this message far enough so that when they're old enough to say, hey, I'm not black, I'm American, they're not going to sound completely weird. Well, so yeah, and 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 oh, not black, but human or Absolutely. all of those things. But I will tell you, Ricky, when my kids were younger, I tried for the longest not to get into the conversation on race, which has been a part of my life, my whole life. And um, and I don't have any bones about saying that I'm a black woman because I absolutely love all that comes with the culture of, of being a black uh, woman. And so I tried that. I tried not introducing it to them too early. And guess what? You know, at three, someone told my daughter, I can't play with you because you have brown skin. You know, she's first grade. Somebody says to her, oh, if you had been born back then when they were talking about history, you would have been a slave. Well, first of all, uh, there were white people who were also enslaved and indentured people. And there were there were people uh, who looked like me who were free. And the teacher never said a word, never. One word to the student because she told me she didn't know what to say. Because of course, I had to talk to her about it because my daughter comes home and I and I and I was like, what is wrong with you? She didn't tell me what happened until I noticed like her behavior being a little right, strange. Right. right. And so I tried that method. So if so I, I may um I, I hope I explain myself well enough. I'm not going to hide race or the issues from my children. I'm going to put a, a push upon them or teach them this new approach. And when I take them to school, I teach it to their teachers. I tell it to their principals. I've spoken to school board meetings. So it's not a matter of, I'm not going to tell them about race. I'll actually absolutely tell them about history and what's going on, but this is how we are fixing. Yes. Yes. So I really, I, I, I appreciate that. And thank you for, for that um, clarity on that. But I, I realized that you would educate them because you have to educate them for their protection. So yes, I, I absolutely love that. You know, Ricky, as I said, I knew we would would come to the end of the show and there would be many more questions. And I just want to say I appreciate your time of being here. Are there any other final comments before we have to end the show today of anything that you'd like to say? Yes, ma'am. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. I am honored to be on your show. And to any and everybody listening, Joining our crusade to end race in America is free. It's as simple as recognize that you are human, not black or white. Uh, Please feel free to check out our website. See see the work we're doing. We're on TikTok um, making making many announcements coming out. So we appreciate everyone. We appreciate you very much. And God bless everyone. We thank you. And that website is the American Redneck Company.com, right? Yes, please. Please, please, please do check out Ricky and his um, co-founders of the American Redneck Company. We really want to do all we can to end race in America. And now I invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Thank you for being here today to my guest, Ricky Wade. Thank you to my listeners Please make sure that you subscribe on the various platforms so that you will get the Dismantle Racism show at any time, anywhere. May today you tap into that sacred part of you 
that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and we exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.